The views and opinions expressed are those of the presenters and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any company. Any content provided should be considered their opinion and are not intended to be interpreted as an endorsement. Today's topic is a look into the life of a scientist solving a problem. Welcome to our Solutions for Nano Analysis podcast brought to you by Bruker Nano Analytics. We look forward to bringing you a new podcast regularly. My name is Cody Morton. I'm a marketing communications specialist at Bruker Nano Analytics and an information enthusiast. If you like to learn from specialists in their field and hear what technologies are solving their problems, you will enjoy this podcast. Every session, we will focus on a different problem that our colleagues face in the lab and in the field. Some of the solutions will be a variation of ideas you may have heard before or even worked with. We will bring you these topics in a new and interesting way and introduce you to updated and thought-provoking results. We will talk about how the problem was dealt with in the past and what we're doing to solve the problem now and perhaps even envision future solutions. Join us as we talk solutions with a variety of scientists and technicians in many different industries in the Solutions for Nano Analysis podcast. Recently, Dr. Mike Falk, the Global Product Manager for EDS on TEM and SEM with Bruker Nano Analytics, presented the topic, Colorful Quantities of Matter During a Larger Formatted Program. We're going to share her portion here so you can gain insights from her talk. Her presentation is on adding color to electron microscope data using spectroscopy and diffraction, talking about not just coloring in each type of atom, but counting them one by one and studying their geometric arrangements and complex structures. To see this presentation, you can find it on our Bruker Nano Analytics YouTube channel. I decided to wrap my little story about colorful chunks of matter into a personal uh, story. So when I was younger, when I was in school, I, of course, as I think everyone, uh, was thinking about my future. And I was thinking about how can I understand the world and how can I change it? And of course, first, like probably also everyone, I wanted to investigate or look into space and find the aliens. Then I discovered that um, single atoms and even smaller parts actually make up our world and I should be better understanding this and go into physics. But I also wanted to research diseases and help cure them. And I was, and I still am fascinated by the beauty of the world and I was looking into design and architecture. So I finally settled for physics, and only when I started to go into material science, I uh, got the feeling that I I can match my dreams, and I want to show you how this works and uh, convince you. So I ended up with this company, uh, Bucanano, uh, where we, amongst many other things, look at atoms by... Um, ionizing them, we use, for instance, electrons, and many processes happen when electrons hit material, or some of the processes connected to electrons. We look at characteristic X-rays, which uh, are produced, amongst many other things, when electrons hit material, but we can also excite the materials with X-rays and look at the X-rays coming from that, which would be the micro-XRF. 
spectra, and those are more sensitive to high Z material, and the electron excitation produces EDX, and an energy dispersive X-rays, which are more sensitive to lower Z material. And since we have the electron excitation from the electron microscopes to which we attach our detectors on, and which Jeremy talked about, we can also think into the direction of diffraction. We produce EBSD detectors, and we can also do diffraction in transmission. So also, as pointed out in the previous talk, we can put bulk specimens, but also electron transparent specimens in the microscope and look what happens. So I'm going to talk to you about single atoms from space and chunks which collided in space and about other atomic arrangement, about medical research and life science, and about watching actual processes using our detectors. First, I want to start in space. This was a collaboration with Wanda Stroud from the Naval Research Lab. And she says that dust is very important. Dust is forming around stars, like you see on the upper right. There is uh, the image taken by the telescope array in the Atacama Desert. And you can see here a dust ring around a star. And the distance of the dust ring, which will form a planet, is similar to the distance between Earth and, and Sun, if we can believe what astronomers say. So it is important to look at dust to understand where we come from. And here you see a little bit of uh, what dust consists of. And this uh, was also given to me by Rhonda, where it, she again points out that uh, dust is formed by dying stars, and out of the dust, new stars can be formed, and we should be understanding dust. And one particular type of dust is carbon, or carbonaceous material, which we investigated here with our flagship detector, oval energy dispersive X-ray detector, in combination with the neon microscope. And you can see, this is a carbonaceous structure. You can see these rings, like onion rings. They point out that here are little micro-diamonds formed. These are the predecessors to diamonds. And in this carbonaceous nanodiamond material from space, there are single atoms. And we were able to pinpoint each single atom and look at it. Uh, one, the red one, was a, was a silicon atom. The blue space was where there was just carbon and no atom. Copper is from the whole piece covering. And then there is this smaller atom uh, at the bottom. And this was a sulfur atom. This is interesting. Sulfur plays a role in life, also, this carbon. Looking at these single atoms, I want to remind you that we need to be very careful when doing these experiments. How can we be sure that this little dust particle was really from space and not contaminated, for instance, uh, by, by the scientists investigating them? To make sure that there is no contamination, we often use our own equipment as well. So you see here the M4 tornado. And if you use the Tornado Plus, you can look at lower Z materials as well using micro XRF and X-ray excitation. And these are fingerprints on a piece of paper. And you can see these, comp these components, sodium, chlorium, potassium, which I actually also often find on GEM specimens. We don't just look at single atoms, uh, atomic arrangements in columns because this lowers their energies. Uh, are common in crystals, and here it was important to detect these double layers of bismuth to understand the behavior 
of this room temperature multiferroic material. We can use this detector also not just on the neon. This was our the first development. If we use it on other machines, we quite successfully look at semiconductor materials, as single and as dual detectors they are being used. And this data was given to us by advanced circuit engineers, and they, those are showing that we can nicely distinguish between the whereabouts of nitrogen and titanium nitrate. And uh, we can also distinguish and deconvolute hafnium, silicon, and tungsten, and other elements which are important to distinguish in semiconductor industry. I want to go back to space. There is a Stardust mission, and uh, it con consists of an experiment where some kind of spacecraft collects dust, which is produced uh, by a comet. And we were approached when the bright detector for investigating the result was used. So there were test experiments done to find the suitable detector where micro craters were generated by meteorite. And for that, we use a specific detector, which is also described by Nestor Zaluzek, which is, does not come from the side as the previous one I showed you, but it is put underneath the pole piece and it's flat and annular, and therefore it has a much higher collection angle. It can be above one's radian. So it's put in here, and this is how it looks underneath the pole piece. And using that detector, we can look into these micro craters without shadowing effects. You can see here that we have uh, such a micro crater. We can look inside and we can get a spectrum out of each single point. And this is a huge data set with, with many data points and we can identify each of those and uh, finally this we call lovingly the flat quad detector was also selected for the stardust mission to be used these were just test experiments uh, from a comet but we also looked at the meteorite sample which came so it's called a meteorite when it has fallen onto the earth and there we could see similar structures you can see here these structures which are shaped like spherical indents. And this was a revelation to the Meteorite Research Society that actually that meteorite material, the red one, iron, iron chondros, was hit with another material during its flight through space. And this other material produced these spherical uh, sulfur inclusions. It was a very interesting result, which we also investigated by EBSD. Now I want to stick a little bit with this detector, which we use in SEM for medical research as well. Titanium oxide is investigated as a coating for implants so that our cells can grow back a little bit more easy. But during the operation, bacteria can settle on the wound. And I think personally that uh, operation theaters should be as clean as semiconductor industry works, but I don't think that's the case, at least I haven't seen it that way. But we are moving toward that and putting small gold nanoparticles onto the surface of such implants changes the surface potential, which leads to electrocution of bacteria, which are potentially, potentially settling on this. So that's a very interesting, which is also combined with fluorescence light microscopy and statistical analysis of number and distribution of these nanoparticles, because of course we still want our own cells to grow. 
Some more examples what the flat quad, this annular detector can do. And here is, as we have a speaker from Hitachi, how it sits on a Hitachi SE. We can look at polymers and again, without shadowing, move in uh, deep and look at these nanoparticles, which are incorporated into the polymer for better thermal stability when used as plastic around car engines. We can, of course, look at uh, semiconductor nanostructures. These are, this is a FIPSIN sample investigated in SEM. So what Jamil called SEM stem, some call it TSEM, um, will be interesting which, which name will make it. And we also can look into thin matter, but also nanoparticles, which also produce very small amount of X-ray counts, but due to the annular detector with a high collection angle, we can also see nanoparticles. And this is a project, comes out of a project where we look at nanoparticles, uh, which are airborne, particularly along uh, power lines and heavy traffic roads, and which can pollute our lungs, which are dangerous and need to be avoided. Another life science medical research example is this human blood cells, which is infested with a malaria parasite, the so-called Plasmodium falciparum. And uh, the malaria parasite digests human blood and particularly likes hemoglobin. So you see it in the food vacuole of the parasite. But also please note the parasite is full of chlorine uh, because chloroquine is used to treat malaria. And the scientists we collaborated here with from France were very happy to see that the chlorine has filled the parasite. In this particular case, we use color for quantitative measurement. So you see here from zero to three mass percent of chlorine, and we see here about uh, 1.5 to two mass percent of iron in the food vacuole of this parasite. Or on uh, SEM, the one before was TM, this is SEM. Uh, on bacteria, we used a double detector system here and you can see magnetotactic bacteria which form little magnets to orient themselves. And to make those magnets, sulfur is involved. Yeah? Remember we saw a sulfur atom from space as well. So this is all interestingly connected. And you can see here, the upper gray level electron images are now colorful. And electron microscopy is becoming fashionable. In the Exploratorium in San Francisco, there are several exhibitions now involving electron microscopy, and now we can do electron microscopy in color and uh, look at different bacterial parasites. And these are apparently parasites which live in, in, in a termite stomach. And this is my last slide here. I want to point out that we can actually watch processes. We can see here, we can look at changing temperatures. We can look at nanoparticles in liquid, a work done together with Nasta Salus. Uh, we can also look at bacteria. Again, a test medium are always these magnet magnetotactic bacteria, which are frozen in ice. So a lot of research on viruses and larger things like bacteria are done in frozen samples. The EDS is possible in frozen samples, and I expect a lot of new science coming from uh, element analysis in frozen samples. And uh, the last bit I want to mention is the correlating material properties and microstructure uh, under stress. 
by combining EBSD and non-indentation. So there were little holes. One of this blue uh, was were poked into duplex steel to investigate its strengths, for instance, for buildings and so on, and for other devices. And then uh, one can investigate these holes and look at how the microstructure is changing, how orientation of crystallites are changing, and uh, the small-scale bending of them uh, is is changing. And using nano-indenters uh, from Bruker, we can actually produce uh, displacement force numbers and curves. Yeah, and with that, I'm at the end, and I think I convinced you that I actually have the dream job, and all my dreams came through. I can look into space. I can look at single atoms. I can help cure diseases and uh, do biological samples, and I can make sure that the things we build don't have faults in semiconductors and are strong, like, for instance, the steel. And with that, I'm at the end of my presentation. To see this presentation, you can find it on our Bruker Nano Analytics YouTube channel. Thank you to our speakers today. If you would like more information about today's topic or to submit a topic idea, please email info.bna at bruker.com. You can also check out more information in today's show notes. Join us next time as we look at a new solution with more scientists and technicians in all sorts of industries.